our message tonight, we're going to be talking about rooted again, and in particular, rooted in the truth. Now, the verse that is our theme for this series is found in Colossians chapter 2, and I'll read that to you again, beginning with verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. And beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Rooted in the truth. I like to begin with an amazing fact. You know, uh, tallest tree now is about 365 feet. It's a redwood. Uh, they're in California. You might be thinking that all of the tallest trees have always been redwoods, but that's not the case. They had a tree in Australia that they say was 400 feet tall. And there was a Douglas fir in British Columbia that was cut down that was measured at 500 feet. If you can imagine that. So how deep are the deepest roots in the world? Well, according to the uh, Guinness Book of World Records, the deepest roots are found in South Africa and Arskgad. I know there's some people here laughing at me right now because I can't say that. They reach 400 feet below the Earth's surface. That's longer than a football field. If you want to survive a storm and you're a tree, you need good roots. And there are storms coming. Are you rooted? And it's not only that you're rooted in the earth, you want to be rooted, and it'd be great if those roots are wrapped around a rock. Uh, we had a little heartache in the Bachelor family about a year ago. You know, we've had a cabin up in the hills for 40 years. We moved up there selling firewood a long time ago. And kids grew up, you know, our oldest is 41 and youngest is 21. And uh, kids all grew up, had a big oak tree in the front yard, hundreds of years old, right up on a hill. And it was a great tree for a swing because you'd swing off the hill and you'd get really high because you're, you know, up above the drop-off. Ladder going up, tree house built a zip line into the tree. We did everything you can do with the tree with that tree. And you heard that uh, we had a drought for years in California. Uh, it ended last winter with just record rains and also snow. And our friends called and said, uh, we got some bad news. That big oak tree in the front yard fell over. And it was so sad. Karen and I were just up there a few weeks ago and we started turning it into firewood. Got to be really careful where you cut because they got nails everywhere from all the little tree houses and things. And, and I examined it. I thought, it, it looks so healthy. But the roots were out there in the loose ground and evidently some termites got into it. And it looked good above ground, but it had some disease in the roots. And so it couldn't hang on in the storm. You not only need roots, you need roots that are deep. You need roots that are wrapped around something. You need roots that are healthy. Are you rooted in your faith? Now, it's one thing when you first come to the Lord, you've got a lot of questions, and you're evaluating different ideas, and there's different points of view, and, 
at some point, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, you, you need to stop you know, evaluating the truth and settle into it. You need to rest in the truth. You need to put your weight upon what you believe. You can't be living a life of faith if you're not rooted in what you believe. So you need to know what you believe. And that's all going to be based upon the truth. The first of the Psalms, Psalm 1, Blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the path of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. And in his law he meditates day and night. What happens to that person? He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. If you want to be fruitful, if you want to be prosperous, then you need to be rooted in the Word of God. That man, that woman is going to be blessed. Do you know what you can believe? Do you know how to defend what you believe? Romans eleven sixteen, And if your root is holy, so are the branches. If you want to have a holy, healthy fruit and branches, you need healthy roots. Your roots need to be deep. You know, according to uh, Barna, I'll tell you a little trivia. I was at a meeting in New York City back during the last election, and uh, now President Trump was in candidate Trump, invited a bunch of evangelical leaders to a meeting in Manhattan. And uh, myself uh, and Dr. Carson, as far as I know, were the only Adventists that were there. Um, I'm part of a committee of religious broadcasters that are always working on maintaining freedom in broadcasting. And uh, we were invited to this meeting to find out, you know, if elected, what would be your response to religious liberty. And I'll tell you, it was quite an assembly. I mean, I was sitting there by Dr. Carson, Jim Dobson, just uh, Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell Jr., just everybody. I've never seen an assembly like this before. During lunch, I won't even go into the meeting and interview, but during lunch, I just sat down with somebody that looked like a nice fella and, and uh, began to talk and found out it was George Barna. He was sitting by himself, and he's the one, the famous researcher, Christian researcher, and just a wonderful gentleman. I thought, what an opportunity. So I began to ask him questions. And in the course of our conversation, I talked about the trends of what's happening to Christianity in North America, uh, and we're in trouble because the culture is defining what we believe more than Christ. America used to be pretty much a Judeo-Christian country, but that's shifting. And where Christianity was growing in the last 40 years, it's been declining. And you know when it begins? During the college years. Young people are abandoning their faith. Here's what his study revealed. Roughly 70% of Christian college students going off to college end up leaving their faith during their first year on campus. The Barna Group reported on the spiritual involvement of 20-somethings. Only 20% 20 of students who were highly churched as teens remained spiritually active by the age 29. Now, do you want to be a statistic? Are, are you hungering and thirsting after God? You know, you've got to have roots. A lot of seed falls on the shallow ground. And you know what Jesus said in Mark 4? Verse 5, some of the seed, good seed, but it falls on stony ground where it didn't have much earth. 
and immediately it springs up because it had no depth of earth and when the sun arose it was scorched because it its root withered away you need to have your root in good ground Psalm 80 verse 8 God said he brought a vine out of Egypt he cast out the nations and he planted it you prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root when God brought the children of Israel into the promised land he gave them a land flowing with milk and honey and he caused them to be rooted in the land so they could stay there and they could fight off their adversaries we need to be rooted in our faith now as a springboard for what we're talking about tonight I want to take you to a very interesting exchange between Jesus and Pontius Pilate during the trial of Christ and this is found in John 1837 Pilate normally would have just summarily said oh yeah I execute him but he saw something different about Jesus uh, he had probably seen a lot of criminals and this man did not look like a criminal the Bible says Pilate could see that he had been turned over for envy and then to make matters worse as he's getting ready to act a note comes from his wife and she says do not do anything regarding that just man I have suffered many things today because in a dream because of him and he thinks wow how did she know so he realizes there's something supernatural going on he, he says to Jesus come with me and he gets off the the platform where this judgment is taking place and he takes Christ who's tied up by himself and has a private interview with him and Pilate therefore said to him are you then a king and Jesus answered that's interesting Jesus said nothing to Herod John the Baptist had preached to Herod and Herod didn't listen Christ said look if you're not gonna listen to my messengers you're not gonna listen to me if you don't believe Moses and the prophets then you're not gonna believe me if you don't believe the Bible what will you believe it's the word of God but Jesus talked to Pilate because he hadn't had the same opportunity and Jesus said you say that I'm a king to this end I was born and for this cause I came into the world now listen this is why Jesus came into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth everyone that is of the truth hears my voice Pilate said to him what is truth I always thought that was one of the most tragic moments in Bible history that here is a lost man standing in front of the incarnation of truth and he says what is truth and he doesn't wait for an answer but he turns and walks away you know back then Pilate had been throughout the Roman Empire and he saw all these different religions and they served all these different gods and these strange rites and ceremonies and the, the bizarre things that people believed and everybody in the Greek realm argued about the truth Paul had to deal with that they had gods to everything so when Jesus is talking about the truth Pilate had sort of become cynical and he said what is the truth if he had just waited for an answer Christ could have told him I am the way the truth and the life but he didn't listen to him they had the truth right in front of him sadly later Pilate who because of cowardice he handed Jesus over he declared Jesus innocent said I find no fault in him then he washed his hands hoping he could absolve himself of the guilt 
had Jesus flogged even though he was declared innocent and then crucified because he was going with what the crowd wanted he was afraid that he would lose his job they said well you know this man says he's a king and if Caesar hears that you're letting someone else go along that says they're a king well that's rebellion and you're joining the rebel so they're really threatening his job Pilate was more worried about what the crowd thought more worried about his job and later he ended up losing his job he was banished to Gaul and he committed suicide how sad he had Jesus right in front of him he had the source of everlasting life right in front of him and he shrugged and said oh who knows what the truth is what is truth can't really know the truth you know that's one of I think the um, big problems in the world today and it's prevalent on mostly secular campuses is this relativism pluralism that you can't really know the truth that there is no absolute truth another Barna study a Barna study confirms Americans are in danger of becoming a nation of relatives relativists the survey asks is there absolute truth amazingly 66% of American adults responded that they believe there's no such things as absolute truth that different people can define the truth in conflicting ways and still be correct do you know how dumb that is that's like you know you're saying well I believe this bottle is gonna wake me up of pills and someone else says, well I believe it's gonna put me to sleep well I'm sure it'll do what you want it'll do what I want because you believe it's truth for you but the idea that there's no absolute truth about the purpose of life and why we're here and where we came from and what we're doing here and where we're going that's really insanity when you think about it and nobody really believes that let me go on I'm not done yet 66 percent of Americans no such thing as absolute truth the figure rises to 72 percent when it comes to those between the ages of 18 and 25 anyone here in that category 72 percent and this is an older study I think the rate is higher now don't condemn anybody's belief as wrong because you know it's true for them and my belief is true for me and just whatever anyone wants to believe it's you know it's all good and if you believe it's true it is true for you and if I believe what I believe is true for me I'm sorry that doesn't work that way you don't really believe that how would you feel if you got on an airplane and after you take off and the seatbelt light goes off and the pilot comes on he says okay we're cruising now and just thought we'd let everybody know the co-pilot and I have been talking and we really don't believe these laws of aerodynamics anymore we've come to believe something very different and we believe that this plane will work just as well as a submarine so we're gonna go into the Pacific Ocean because we really believe it would you feel comfortable and say well it's true for them it's okay with me or would you say no there are absolute laws of aerodynamic design and if you break those laws there are consequences there are consequences to whatever you believe as it relates to the truth and there is a truth there is absolute truth all of our science and learning is really built on the foundation of we're in pursuit of truth and if you start to say that well you just can't really believe anything whatever you believe is true is true for you 
you're just going to spiral down into oblivion. The whole Christian message is based upon the truth that there is a life and there is a death, that you are alive now, that everything you see and sense around you is not just a figment of your imagination. I'm really here. And I'm not just imagining that you're there. You are there. And uh, there's a reality that is happening. That doesn't mean we know all truth, but there is absolute truth. And we need to pursue that. So what is the truth? You know, the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. If you don't know the truth, there can be consequences. You've got to know what it is. There's a Jewish proverb that says, the ugly truth is better than a beautiful lie. And even though the truth may not go along with what you believe, you need to know what it is. You know, this is an especially dear subject to me because <clears throat> I grew up having no idea what the purpose of life was. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Matter of fact, I thought tomorrow night I'll probably be sharing my testimony. I'll be weaving it into the subject for that night. So if you know some young people that are kind of struggling out there, wonder what in the world is going on, you might encourage them to come tomorrow. But um, I just had no idea what was truth. And I, I went in pursuit of trying to figure out what is the purpose of life. Because my parents were atheists or agnostic and it's like nothing made any sense. And so when I finally found the Bible, it just totally transformed my life. I said, this is it. Now that's after studying a lot of different religions. And I had no preference. I really didn't. I, you know, I did the meditation and I did... Well, I won't go into it right now. Anyway... And so, you, you need to know what is the truth. Well, first of all, Jesus is the truth. He was the embodiment of the truth of God. That's based on Scripture. John 1.14, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word incarnate. John 3.33, he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. John 14, 6, and Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 1 Peter 2, 22, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. What Jesus said was true. Now, if I were to tell you that the Bible is the truth, the Bible is really not the truth. The Bible is the truth about the truth. Jesus is the truth. The Bible is the truth about the truth. And a preacher is a person who is telling you the truth about the truth about the truth. Right? But it really all goes back to Jesus who is the truth. God's Word is true. John 17, 17. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth, and that's because Christ said He is the word. Psalm 119, all of thy commandments are truth. 1 John 5, 6, and it is the Spirit that bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Sometimes we get so caught up in what Jesus looked like and, and you know, how tall He was and did He really have long hair or short hair and you know, we don't know anything really about what Jesus looked like. The Bible says he somehow could disappear in a crowd. 
Uh, even at his betrayal, after three and a half years of teaching, they needed Judas to show them which one is he. Because he looked like, you know, another Galilean or a Nazarite. And what changed the world about Jesus was not what he looked like, it's what he said. His word. And the Bible is not just black ink on white paper or it might be dark pixels. Or if you get a red letter edition, red pixels on a computer screen or a phone or a tablet or something like that. He said, these words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. There is something different about the word of God. It is the essence of truth. And it is through the truth that we become rooted in a way that's going to help us survive the storm. You've got to know why you're here, where you come from, and where you're going. And that all comes from the Bible. Are you spending your time getting rooted in the truth? Your faith, assuming you have faith, is going to be challenged in the last days. Jesus said there's going to be a storm coming. There's going to be great deception. You know, in Matthew 24, when Christ talks about the second coming, he says about three times, beware lest anyone deceive you. There'll be many false Christs and false prophets that will deceive many. And if it were possible, even the very elect would be, what? Deceived. What is going to prevent us from being deceived? Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin. We're going to have to know how to rightly divide the word. We're not going to be able to depend on your pastor to tell you. You need to know your Bible. I think every believer needs to have regular time in the Word of God. Amen? You know, even when they sent soldiers to uh, arrest Jesus, they came back and the religious leader said, why haven't you brought him? You know what they said? Never man spake like this man. They were so dumbfounded by what he said. The, the words of Christ changed the world. Even Jesus, one of the most amazing prophecies that nobody can deny is Christ said, these teachings of mine will go into all the world. That's a pretty audacious prophecy for a carpenter's son who never traveled more than 100 miles from the place of his birth. He held no political office. And he said, my teachings are going to go around the world. It's the number one religion in the world today. Would you say that prophecy came true? Why? Because of what he said. Now, are there a lot of critics of Christianity out there? You notice most of the critics of Christianity criticize Christians. They don't criticize Christ because it's hard to argue with the truth. So they criticize the hypocrisy among his followers. And, of course, that was a concern for his. The Bible is the truth, and the truth is food for your soul. You have, you know, when you went into the, um, the old Jewish sanctuary, uh, it really represents a journey to God. You came through one door. Christ said, I'm the door. Then you went by the altar. That's like the cross. And then you went by the laver. That's like baptism. Then you went into the holy place. And you're making your way on the beeline. There's just one thing at the end. It's the presence of God. And it represents justification, sanctification, and glorification. When you went into the holy place, you know, you've gone by the altar, you've accepted Christ, you've gone by baptism, and there's three things in the holy place. What are those three things? Table with bread, 
candlestick with light, and altar with incense. Those three things prepare you for the presence of God in the next room, which is the Holy of Holies. What are those three things? Those are the disciplines in the Christian life. If you want to know a secret weapon, something you could do to be saved, not that you're saved by your works, but if there is something you could do, the way you get to know the Lord is by those three things, because you need to know Him. You're not going to obey Him if you don't know Him. If you know Him, you'll love Him. If you love Him, you'll obey Him. But how do you get to know Him? Three things. I held up two fingers. Three things. Bread. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. You need to spend time in the Word. The incense, prayer. Pray without ceasing. We talk to God. You need to be in communion with God. So know that He's ever-present. He watches you wherever you go. It's not just a short little prayer before you eat or the beginning of the day, but be in communion with God. Talk to Him through the day. Be lifting prayers all the time. Let your light shine. Share your faith. Live the light. And uh, as you are involved in sharing your faith with others, your faith will grow brighter. If people would just capture the simplicity of these three things, and you may not even feel like it at first, do it anyway. Read your Bible. You know, we don't understand. I didn't understand my Bible when I first started reading it. I didn't grow up reading the Bible. I went to Catholic school where they taught us the Beatitudes. I thought that was pretty neat. That's about all I remember. I knew the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I remember when I first started reading the Bible, it was a King James Bible, and I grew up you know, in New York City. We didn't speak King James. Barely spoke English. My friends from Brooklyn, you wouldn't understand. And when I was reading in the Bible, it says, the brethren gathered together. I thought, I thought it said breathing. <laughs> yeah, I dropped out of high school. I went back to college, so I believe in education. But back then, I mean, I dropped out in ninth grade. I'm reading the breathing. I thought it was a spiritual term. Well, that's heavy. Breathing came together. <laughs> what does that mean? I didn't understand half of what I was reading in the King James Version. But I was intrigued by the things I did understand. And so even though I was frustrated at times, I kept reading. And I got where I understood more and more, and it got easier and clearer. Do you know, a baby does not understand their parents when they're first born. And you might think that the child would say, look, I don't know what in the world you're saying. The parents leaning over the crib, they're talking to the baby, and the baby's looking up there, and they're thinking in their abstract thoughts and thinking, what in the world are you saying? I think you like me, you're smiling. But uh, I don't know what you're saying. Don't talk to me anymore. I don't understand you. They don't do that. They keep listening, and eventually they understand the father's voice, the mother's voice. You keep reading, and you'll understand. But the Bible is the bread. It's the foundation. I think the Bible tells us that, uh, of course, man doesn't live by bread alone. Every word, it's that bread that came. Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Your father's got man in the wilderness, but I am the real bread. And... Uh, Job and Jeremiah, it says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Job says, I have esteemed the word of your mouth more than my necessary meat. All right, I brought up a little object lesson. You know what this is? <laughs> Someone saw me stick it up. They said, you put a bag of money up there? I said, no, it's pretzels. Courtesy American Airlines. <laughs> Yesterday or the day before. 
Uh, they said, would you like some pretzels? I always say yes. <laughs> I may have just eaten a nine-course meal. They said, you want some pretzels? Yes. <laughs> Do you know why? Because I was traveling one time. A storm came along. I got stuck in Denver somewhere. I forget if it was Chicago or Denver. I try not to go through there in the winter because it's happened more than once. And you're in the airport and you're in a long line of people that are trying to make other arrangements and finally I got up to the ticket agent and they said, sorry, there's no more flights. Next flight is in the morning. And I said, oh, what do I do? And they said, well, um, you know, there's a hotel. You're going to have to be back at the airport four in the morning to catch your flight and here's a voucher. You can go to this hotel. Quick, the shuttle's leaving and you go out and you get on the shuttle and, you go, and it's late at night and I get up to my room and I always take my two and usually a pair of socks and underwear because that's happened before. And I realized everything's closed. They've given me a hotel out in the middle of nowhere. I have no rental car. There's no restaurant in the hotel and I'm hungry. And I had nothing to eat. And then I remembered I had a bag of pretzels. <laughs> and I sat in my room and I thought this is dinner. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. No one has ever prayed so sincerely over their dinner as I did over my little bag. And it was smaller. This is, they're giving you more pretzels now at American Airlines because they used to give you food and the pretzels were small. But now they give you more pretzels and no food. And so I prayed and said, Thank you, Lord. I savored every pretzel. I didn't eat them all at once. I bit a piece off. And there's just little mini pretzels. I bit a piece off and I chewed it slowly. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that uh, to the hungry man every bitter thing is sweet. And there's a Spanish proverb, hunger makes the best sauce. It was my dinner. It was going to have to last me until I got more pretzels on the plane the next day. <clears throat> Would God, we hungered for the Word of God the way I appreciated the bread in my pretzels <laughs> that day. Anyone want my pretzels? <laughs> I just figured if I miss, there wouldn't be a lawsuit. They're not very heavy. <laughs> I just wanted you to remember that. A little bit of bread. It was so appreciated. Do you know, Karen, I went to Russia 20 five years ago and um, she always knows because she can date it by Stephen's age and um, we brought some of the first Bibles into Russia that had been there in 70 years and I was doing an evangelistic program and we brought Bibles to give to everybody in America I give out Bibles I say you know we'll have Bibles for you after the program you can take them with your lesson take them home and do your lesson bring the Bible back the Bible's yours after 10 nights and you know I didn't realize the desperation they had there for the Word of God and uh, somewhere near the beginning of the sermon I said you know along with this seminar we'll be giving away Bibles everybody got up and walked out in the foyer and I said to the pastor he said oh no no through the translator he told me he said they're so used to waiting in line for everything they wait in line for bread the store will finally get toilet paper this is back then they wait in line and once you said that you'd be giving away Bibles, they said, we better get in line now. And they all walked out of the meeting and got in line waiting for their Bibles. 
And I said, what do we do? And I said, well, you better give them the Bibles now so they'll come back in. He said, oh, they won't. Maybe they'll just take the Bible and leave. And we, we gave out 700 Bibles and most of the people came back in. Karen and I would walk around in town. And I remember we saw some people sitting on the park bench and someone from the seminar had one of the Bibles that we brought. And we recognized it. And they were stroking it. And we finally came to understand these people did not have the Word of God. They had little pieces they would hand type of the Word of God and they'd read little passages to each other. And if they were caught typing a Bible, we heard about some people that would be underneath a table with a blanket on it so the communists would not hear the typewriter going. And they showed us some of the hand typed Bibles, big massive things that they had shared with each other. And I thought, oh man, we, you know, Absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's one thing. But there's another proverb. It says, familiarity breeds contempt. We have so many Bibles. The devil has succeeded in making a whole generation feel contempt for the Word of God because they're everywhere. How many of you own more than one? And a lot of people that raise their hand, if I said, did you read it today? Would say, ah, well... I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary meat. If you want to know what the truth is, his word is truth. We need to hunger and thirst for the word of God. There's nothing more important than that right now, friends. Can you say amen? amen. Isaiah 55, 2. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? We do eat, but you eat that which is good. This week we took our treasure out for lunch and we mentioned to the waitress it was his birthday we weren't fishing for anything we just mentioned it we thought maybe they'd sing to him or something she later brought out this big thing of fried ice cream well he's a vegan so am I matter of fact all four of the officers that took the treasure out we said thank you so much and we looked at it and we didn't know what to do with it we said we don't want to hurt their feelings and so we're kind of poking at it and so we <laughs> big big mound of fried ice cream well right then some of the other people from Amazing Facts walked in and we said ah, come on. <laughs> can you eat this ice cream and they said we haven't had our food yet we said we gotta do something with it we want to show our appreciation we don't want to offend them and so these four guys in our media department they took the ice cream over to their table and they started to pick at it but they felt really bad because they thought why are we eating ice cream when we haven't had real food yet? But a lot of young people spend all their time eating spiritual junk food and they never get the main course. Do you know that most of the American advertising budget for food is spent on I think the 80% uh, you've heard of the 80-20 rule? It works here. 80% of the money spent on marketing food is spent on marketing the least nutritious foods. Soda and candy and junk food. They almost never market healthy food. And we fill up with so much spiritual junk food. You ever heard your parents say, don't eat that, you'll lose your appetite. And a lot of young people, you wonder why, oh, Pastor Doug, talking about reading the Bible, I'm trying to read the Bible, but oh, it's just not very interesting. Well, you know why? Because you have so fevered your mind with junk food 
that by comparison the Bible feels bland and the devil is working overtime to make us lose our appetite for that which is good why do you eat that which is good the prophet says why do you not eat that which is good eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance I don't eat candy I try to stay away from the junk food when I eat I eat but I try to eat good food and um, and I really appreciate it every day I've got a habit I wake up I read my Bible every day not just because of sermon preparation that's separate study for me but every morning when I wake up you can ask Karen one of the first things I do I turn on my computer I study my Bible on my computer I not only read it I now I got a program where I, I put it in my headphones and I, I find that as I listen to someone read it and my eyes follow it I even get more of it and so I read it I pause it I might look a word up but I'm always reading through the Bible every day except Sabbath you know the manna used to fall six days a week but none fell on Sabbath Sabbath I touch up my sermon but the other six days a week I'm reading through the Bible and uh, I need it just to maintain my relationship with the Lord here in town first thing I do when I get in a car I try to find a Christian station Karen I got a rental car the other day I said see if you can find I know there's a Christian station I listen to it here so I, I listen to a Christian station you know and sometimes they're not always Seventh-day Adventist stations they some good things and if you read your Bible you know how to eat the melon and spit out the seeds right shouldn't be afraid I'm not afraid to have my faith stand up under investigation then people give me sermons and there's a lot of other good material and other things that people preach and I recommend Audioverse good commercial for them I'm taping for them right here right now they got some great sermons on Audioverse but find good food and feed your soul and start displacing how are you spending your your time listening you, you, you surf on the internet you listen to dumb things on YouTube and and all goofy things that we send each other and some are not just goofy some are plain evil what you look at and what you listen to is going to shape who you are you will become the sum total of those things we need to feed on the Word of God now if you're going to get through the storm that's coming friends I can't emphasize how important that is we need to go deeper in the Word Hebrews 5 12 for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you've come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes of only milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he's a babe but solid food belongs to those who are of full age that is on those who by reason have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil Paul says something similar in 1 Corinthians 3 and I brethren could not speak to you as spiritual people but as carnal as the babes in Christ I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you are not able to receive it and even now you're still not able you know here we are on the cusp of this anniversary of Martin Luther you know where that began at a college and those people were deep in the word and they were talking about the deep things of God and you know I really enjoyed my time today I was doing some Bible questions and answers with the salt students and boy they had some good questions and I was impressed with the depth of what they're thinking I pray to God that that's the case with all the young people who are here and others who may be watching that you're you're studying the deep things of God you know the Bible is it's a treasure that you can never exhaust 
You can never reach the end of this mine. My friends and I, every now and then, we go riding off in Nevada on quads. We go way out where no man hath been before, and way out in the desert. And, um, and Nathan's been with me several times. And we, we go exploring some old mines. <laughs> There'll be a sign out side of the mines. So stay out and stay alive. We go in anyway. And so it is, you got to be very careful. But we go in and we explore these mines and they go back way, way into the depths of the earth. And these people were following veins of gold and silver there in Nevada. And, and the, the dedication of how far they went to try to find treasure is inspiring because they went under the base of the mountains. I found some good places for the time of trouble when I was doing that. <laughs> Not going to tell you where it is. Everybody thinks I'm going back to the cave. I'm not going back there. <laughs> I heard a parable about a man once that he dreamed. He was walking through the desert and he heard a voice. It said, pick up some stones and put them in your pocket. Tomorrow you'll be happy and sad. So he obeyed the voice and he picked up some stones. He put them in the pocket. When he woke up, they had turned into jewels. He was happy that he had picked some up. He was sad he had not picked up more. When you get to heaven, if you get to heaven, you're going to be glad that you had the Word of God because I can promise you that the Word of God will have something to do with it. But you're going to be sad that you didn't pick up more. And especially to the young people, let me tell you something. Take my word for it. I've memorized a lot of Scripture, but I did 90% of the memorization before I was 30. It gets harder the concrete starts to set and now I get up and I walk from one room to the next and by the time I get in the other room I think why did I come here <laughs> and I gotta go back to the other room again go back to what I was doing and hope that I'll remember what it was I went for it's a little harder do you want to learn another language do it now you ever notice a kid you move to another country and you know five years old in one year they're speaking fluently Thirty years later, their parents still, you can't understand them. Your minds are young now. Learn the Word of God now. You're, the devil's got a whole generation filling their minds with empty things. And you're wasting precious time. Feed your mind on the Word of God because it is the truth. The truth is not what we want it to be necessarily. The truth is what it is. And, you know, there's, a, uh, there's counterfeit truth out there. In the culture, saying things like sex outside of marriage is normal, it's okay, doesn't even need to be the opposite sex. That uh, whatever you want to believe, if it's true for you, then it's true. All religions lead to God, like all the rivers run to the ocean. There's a lot of false truth out there that can be deadly. Now, our family scuba dives. Karen and I and the boys and even our oldest son, we, we all have our license. We love to scuba. Karen and I were just scuba diving in Hawaii a few weeks ago. And when you learn to scuba dive, they warn you about something that can be deadly. It's called nitrogen narcosis. Another word is the rapture of the deep. And you get down over 100 feet. And if you're there for very long and you're not watching your time, and if you're, the gases in your tank aren't uh, properly uh, adjusted, um, you can actually become intoxicated and you can start thinking 
the down is up and up is down. And you can get disoriented. And you can start talking to the fish and think they're going to talk back to you. And it really is, they call it the, uh, the martini effect. Because it's almost like drinking a martini on an empty stomach and people get drunk. Matter of fact, there's a video, <laughs> I'm telling you about don't watch dumb videos, but there's a, a video online of some guy diving in the Red Sea and he went down too deep and while he was videotaping, he experienced the rapture of the deep and he took off his gauge and he drowns right on camera because he thought he could do it. He thought it was true. He lost his concept of the laws that surrounded him and he died. I just saw a um, devastating massacre in Las Vegas and everybody's wondering why. I've got a theory. Somebody spent years addicted to gambling and they realized their life was meaningless and they thought, well, I can't go down in history doing something good. I'm going to try and go down to history doing something bad and I'm going to take it out on the city that fed my addiction. It just went berserk. A lot of people have just killed others to try to make a name for themselves. He had a false concept of truth and because of that people died. It does matter what you believe. Beliefs have consequences. There's a storm coming. You know, one of the most important things that uh, the reason that we need to know what the truth is and be rooted in the truth is because the world's in bondage to sin and the truth will set you free. That's what Jesus said. The truth liberates and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You know, I can tell you, friends, I did not know the truth about God growing up. What I heard in the schools I attended, that if you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. And you will burn for ages. To me, one of the most beautiful things about the Adventist message is when I learned the truth about the punishment of the wicked, that it was a loving God because I thought God was a sadist. And I hated God because I didn't understand the truth once I understood what the Bible really said, that yes, there is a judgment, but there's a loving God, and people will be rewarded according to what they deserve, and then they'll be put out of their misery. And once I saw that, I felt like a thousand pounds had been lifted from my shoulders. People spend years in fear because they don't know the truth. And I'd been set free. I could finally love God because of the truth. Now, there's a lot of truths you haven't discovered yet. Now, God, truth is progressive. The more truth you know, the more free you are. How many of you would like more freedom? Read your Bibles. There's areas where you may be in bondage, and the, the key that will unlock your bondage is in the Word of God, and you're going to stay in bondage until you search for it. The truth will set you free. Jesus will set you free because He is the truth. Amen? And then, of course, there's that final myth that... Uh, Oh, Pastor Doug, we don't want to hear about doctrine. Just tell us about Jesus. That's one of the most absurd things I've ever heard. Jesus preaches that beautiful Sermon on the Mount. You know what it says at the end? They were amazed at his doctrine. Everything about Jesus that we know is a doctrine. The doctrines are beautiful. The doctrines tell us about the love of God. And so you cannot separate who Jesus is from what Jesus taught because he came to tell you the truth. Doctrines are wonderful things. I'm talking about doctrine like it's a bad thing. It's doctrine that sets us free. It's understanding what the truth is. Now, 
I'm glad I have other nights because it's just not time to impress how important this is, friends, but we need to know what we believe. We need to know why we believe what we believe. We need to be able to share with others what we believe because there's a storm coming. And we need to be rooted or we'll be swept away. You know, I uh, was reading an interesting fact. The U.S. Geological Survey publishes how do you survive a tsunami? What are the ways you can survive a tsunami? And among the things they tell you is climb a tree. But find a substantial tree that has good roots. Because some trees get uprooted in tsunamis. And they give the statistics about what happened in Chile in 1960. They study all these cases. They talk about Ramon Ramirez. He actually has a picture of him online standing by the tree. 15-year-old that when this terrible Chilean tsunami came, he realized he couldn't outrun it. He went up a tree that um, hundreds of years old by his house and he clung to the tree and the water actually rose. He had to keep climbing. It rose 15 feet and he stood there as everything around him was swept away but the tree was anchored in a rock and the tree still standing today. Because it was rooted and he climbed a tree, he survived the storm. If you want to survive the coming storm, you need to climb a tree that is rooted. You know what that tree is? It's a cross. Cross is a tree of life. Have you made up your mind that you're willing to take up your cross, to follow Christ, to study His Word, to get to know Him and love Him? It's the only way to survive. It's the only way to be free. And I believe the Lord brought you because He wants you to have that freedom. Are there some here tonight that as we close, before we pray, you'd like to say, Lord, I want to know you better. I want to love you more. I want to be rooted in the truth. You felt, have you felt that desire in your heart? Then I'd invite you to stand before we have our closing prayer. Father, Lord, I pray that you'll create a Holy Spirit-inspired craving in our hearts for the bread of life. Lord, there's so much information and even campus life can be so busy that we forget sometimes the most important thing, our relationship with you. We know that you reveal yourself through your word. So I pray that you'll bless all that are watching or those especially here, the students, that they might just feel that hunger and that thirst for Jesus and for righteousness. Help us right now in our minds to resolve, to put aside some of the distracting things that are consuming our time and preventing us from the most important thing, a relationship with you. And I pray that as we continue to study that our faith will be rooted in Jesus, the rock of ages, and we can have confidence that we'll stand in the storms that are ahead. Bless us during this series, this week, Lord. Bless every person individually. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.